As one has come along this far for many weeks, observing the self, experiencing, being aware, being conscious of certain things, being aware of what goes on in the self, therefore experiencing confession, seeing the fallacy of many of them, experiencing it, which is surrender, and turning about from the ideas of the world, from the ideas of the conditioning. One finds that one is in about the place where the children of Israel were when they got across the Red Sea. That part seemed to have been fairly easy for them to do, beset with certain threats by Pharaoh's soldiers, which are the many not eyes that are attempting to control one, to put I back to sleep, back into slavery, so that they can reap all the energy that flows from X. <coughs> now one finds that one who is beset by many different attempts of the various not-eyes to regain power, to get I sound asleep again. It is not all a bed of roses because things are going along pretty good. First off, there will be efforts to want to go back to certain ideals. They may change a bit from what they used to be to just be non-disturbed by having attention and approval, but they will be to have power over another person, to demonstrate that one is in a certain state of being, wanting other people to know about it, the temptation to tell everybody how wonderful it is. Of course, this brings about many different things that happens. As the story goes on the people that wandered over the Sinai Desert, which is the autobiography of each of us, that we were in slavery in Egypt, which was totally in control of the conditioning. A teacher came by, a teaching, and this figure of Moses, and led the people out. And they thought everything was all fine, but they began to want to go back to Egypt and get leeks and garlic and onions. They only had food called manna, which seemed to have all the food elements and everything necessary. In other words, one has the teaching, which is not an authority, but merely a light that allows one to see for oneself, to see what is doesn't tell one you must do this or must not do that under any threat or anything else. It is a light. So they had a light, a light that guided them, a pillar of fire by night and a bright cloud by the day. And they had the teaching with them. And very shortly they wanted leeks and garlics. They wanted to go back to have a gratification of some ideal some little flavor or something that they had known in Egypt. So all of a sudden, it seems that what we have is not quite enough, according to some not I, and that we really ought to have more. Maybe we should have power to perform wonders. Maybe we should have power to control people. Maybe we ought to be able to make everybody understand. That would really be nice, wouldn't it? I'm so delighted with the state that I have discovered that I think everybody ought to have it. So all of a sudden I want to be a missionary and tell everybody, and I have the great idea that I can get it across to them. 
In other words, I'm going to improve them. So that may be the leeks and the garlic and the onions that's come back from Egypt. And I want to get this to everybody. But again, they have to ask. And then it can only be given them a little light and they have to do the work themselves. No one else can do it for you or me or anyone else. We have to do it ourselves. We can only be given a light. We'll find that there is a desire for many strange little things that seems to pop up. And they all seem so nice and so reasonable and so logical and so wonderful. Possibly we will find that logic begins to get in the way. Now the teachings of the world, as we have seen, was four basic ideas, which everybody I'm sure has checked out by now, that it's ideals, self-improvement to realize those ideals by various means of conditioning, and to have some kind of signs and wonders or demonstrations of one form or another, and to blame something when those don't come about that it is due to this or that. There's always somebody can tell you what's to blame. Now, there is many long records of what happens when people succumb to portion of these. They become acquainted with the ideas of the teaching a little bit. But uh, very soon, some of the not-eyes can convince one that they should be, they mean something differently, or that they should be used a little differently. So when the idea of self-knowing comes about, it's very easy to begin to be identified. Maybe I can become identified as some name. Now, the teaching has no name. But nevertheless, maybe we can come up with some name or some idea that we can have, and I am a student, and therefore we can be identified. Whenever we say I am anything other than I am the awareness function of X, because X is the only one that really is, and I'm only a function of it. But if I can identify with something, some ideology, some movement, some institution of some form or another, you'll find then that one is that takes the place of self-knowing merely to identify with something. And you'll find that there is a not-I that says, well, this should be organized. This should be put in an organization so it can be used by more and more people. And that it could have support so that everybody could enjoy it. And all of a sudden, you will find that possibly there will be little institutions set up about it and that people will identify for these. And that identifying then takes the place of self-knowing. Another idea of the teaching was faith. And faith can begin to be the acceptance of a given ideology. And if I agree that I have accepted this ideology, I'm said to have the faith. And grace can be defined and has been as being the whim of some capricious God, that if everything's going good, grace is being extended to me. And by going good, we mean it's going according to some ideal, to some degree. And if it's not going according to that ideal, that's an indication that the grace has been withdrawn from me. We will find that we are subject to all these temptations. 
because they are widespread and they're very much on the inner state and the vestige of some of these more subtle not eyes begin to work upon these areas and they make it sound so logical and so reasonable that one really wants to return to the leeks and the garlic and the onions. But the one who is paying attention sees all the tricks of the nut eyes, is thankful to see them again, and to see that they have takes many forms. It is said that the evil one, the adversary, can clothe itself even in does appear to be an angel of light. <coughs> so one is aware of all these many manifestations of saying this would be good and that would be good and this would be good. Try to get one to think in terms of opposites. To get things all good now, never anything bad, but how wonderful it would be to help everyone. How wonderful it would be to spread this whole thing to everybody in the world. Yes, maybe it would be wonderful. But it's available if anyone asks but not because I should go promote. But there is always a not I that is a promoter that wants to go get it out to everybody, get it organized, get it together, because, man, it will make the world such a better place. And all these begin to work. Then, of course, the other idea of <clears throat> the teaching, as we saw the four basic ideas of the teaching, the light that throws, self-knowing, faith, grace, and love, agape. And that can get turned around to being tolerant. And there will be a tolerant, not I, that says, well, we can tolerate all these people that don't have it. And, of course, we're caught back in it then. But it makes it sound so reasonable to be tolerant rather than to truly be understanding. It maybe is not a great big difference, but you will hear the tolerance, and we want to be tolerant. This is to return to the old. <clears throat> and then, of course, it says that the people wanted to have something different to eat than manna. They wanted quail. They wanted meat. That's what they wanted. And so herds and herds, or coveys after covey of quail, came up to their camp. So all these many little delicacies will be coming along. And it is so easy to change what we experience into something we're going to force an experience. Confession. We have a desire to tell everybody about all the times that I was in the states of a not I, and I want everybody to know how well I overcome them. But now remember, nobody overcome them. X removed them. How you and our I do not know. They were rendered inoperative. But to gain mate is to gain strength in the general idea of the symbiology. And, of course, we want to gain the strength of I did it. I gets tempted that it has power, that it wants to do something other than what it is, which is the greatest thing in the world, the awareness function of it. But it begins to want to take credit, to gain strength for itself. Some not I says, well, after all, you were entitled to it. You did all that work. And I, being 100% subject to suggestion 100% of the time, says, yes, I did do that, didn't I? And I then has begun to eat quail, and it takes credit for having eliminated the not I's 
It begins to brag, if we may use that term, as to how wonderful it has accomplished and as to how much ahead of the other students it might know that it has accomplished. And it begins to then has caught eye and got it to take credit for doing something that X did. That is to steal, is it not? It begins to take glory. Some words, the word glory is replaces the word credit. And I, as being an observing function, the awareness function of X, only X has all the credit. But it's very easy for I to get hypnotized by a cunning not I that's still lurking around and says, but you did do it. You did do that. And you are pretty wonderful. And of course, I being subject to suggestion is liable to fall into that. It says that the Hebrew children out in the Sinai desert eat quail every day for a month. And they were so sick of quail, they couldn't see the sight of it. Sometimes maybe one might find that one is saturated with claiming credit and that many people begin to avoid one because one is constantly coming on strong and telling everybody else what they ought to do and how clear it is to them. But remember, they might be eating quail. So let's be aware that there is not an end of the road, that there is a continual set of adversaries who are continually trying to lead us back into being identified with the not eyes and the not eyes undergo quite transformations too they recognize that maybe you will listen to a different story now the old stories won't work but they're very good shemilons and change their skin and their color so that now they sound very respectable and very delightful and possibly even spiritual so instead of confession the not I will find that it is confessing how wonderful it is, <coughs> how delightful it has succeeded, and how everybody should admire it and follow it and listen to it. So that is kind of an odd form of confession, isn't it? And it might want everybody else to confess as to how miserable they are. And then another I will come along and want you to confess what a miserable failure you are, that I haven't done anything. But all is there any accomplishment or is there only reporting, being aware, paying attention and reporting as to what is an X? In other words, there is no successes and there is no failures. There is only reporting. But the world thinks in terms of successes and failures. And if you're feeling pretty good today, it says you're a success. You have really made a marvel. You are a wonder now. And it's easy to get caught back in that. And it says that you may be in another thing. You haven't done so good. And one then begins to feel miserable and confesses what a miserable failure I am. This is not confession. In one case, it is bragging. The other case, it is moaning because one hasn't self-improved. The other one is saying, I have self-improved. So <clears throat> because one has experienced certain things. One is still little in the kingdom of heaven. And while one is little, one is weak. And you remember that the great teacher cautioned people not to throw stumbling blocks in front of the ones that were little in the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's fairly easy to knock them out yet. 
And let's be aware that there is powerful adversaries constantly wanting to entice one out. Even though one has passed through the door a little bit, one has got across the Red Sea. There is still the constant temptation to go back and cross the Red Sea back into Egypt again. After all, they can't operate without the slaves. And I is the perfect slave because it has access to tremendous amounts of energy from X to keep them all going. Further on in the desert, they wanted water. They screamed that they were without water. One one begins to want higher truths and more truths. One wants greater things than what one is getting. So instead of, well, I've been observing self for quite a while, I want some more and some greater and some higher teaching. Uh, all the teaching is in four words. Self-knowing, which never ends. Faith, which never completes. No matter how much, there's always a little more. Grace, which is without end. And love, which is boundless. So, there is no more beyond. There is a certain thing one's experiences as one continues to live those. But some will say, well, there is bound to be something more. I heard of some guy that can read through the back of a deck of cards. I heard a man who could have a blindfold on and still read a book. And all these little tricks, which are what they are, tricks, begin to seem that they must be something great and I should have these. So they won't water and say, let's go back to Egypt. We're out here starving to death. At least Egypt had all these wonders and marvels, and so maybe we can go back and find some of those. So again, there's the temptation to return back into Egypt. All along the way. And then, somewhere along the way, they wanted to be given exactly what to do. So a man went and brought them, the guide brought them ten rules, of which he said, here they are. Now let's live by them. So they took the ten rules and said they could live by them. But they thought of them only as an outward behavior. And so one will try to see that certain ideas and rules are set up for outward behavior. You should do this and not do that. But what those ten rules were set up for was to bring to light still more of the not-eyes. And you might pick up those ten rules sometime and relate them to the inner state, not your outward behavior. They may and may not be fairly easy to live on the outward behavior, at least put on the appearance of living them. But let's take them to the inner state and let's see what they do. Let's see if we have still building little accounts against father and mother Let's see if we're still envying what somebody else has. Let's see if we're envying somebody's job or their position or their car or what we consider to be their happiness. Are we comparing self-I to other eyes around over the country, <clears throat> whether they're nearby or close or far? Do we see people with power? Do we see people with certain little ability to perform certain tricks? And do we think we would like to have that particular trick? And if we only had it, everything would be fine. In other words, the Ten Commandments, which were given to the children of Israel, were to be so designed that if they observed them as 
relating to the inner state, they would be great awakeners and point out vestiges of all these old nut eyes that were still around, still trying to gain power. If one only puts them on as an outward mask of behavior, they're, of course, very worthless. But if one relates them to the inner state, vanity, pride, envy, lust, etc., one begins to see that they relate to the talking of the not eyes, and that they give great value to see if a not eye is still on the job. We may be in this Sinai desert for a long time. It is related that the children of Israel were in the Sinai desert for 40 years, wandering backwards and forwards in a little space that is not over 80 miles long. So maybe we could go very quickly through it, or maybe we can take a lot of time. But let's don't assume we can go quickly. Let's assume that we might be here for a while, because the not eyes while we have weakened them enough that we have glimpsed love, agape, understanding, that we have experienced confessing many of them, that we are beginning to see things in a different way, that we might have crossed the Red Sea, that it's not all a bed of rose petals, that every inch of the spiritual life is work, that it may have the land of Canaan at the end, but there's, remember when they went into the land of Canaan, there was still a great mob of people to be destroyed, which means there was still not eyes. So while there is six basic not eyes in their master mammon, the four dual basic urges, each of those six eyes, <coughs> those six not eyes, has a multitude of children, and they seem to be growing too. And they are very, very cunning. They have taken advanced courses in hypnosis. They have taken advanced courses in propaganda. They have taken advanced courses in sabotage. And they are experts at their job. Let's don't underrate them and think, I've got it made. Because they will have you under control unless one is continually alert. Some man said the price of liberty was eternal vigilance. He was not a religious teacher or a spiritual teacher particularly. He was a teacher of government. His name was Thomas Jefferson, I believe. But nevertheless, the statement is always the way. The most frequently repeated word in the New Testament is watch. So may we say, watch. Watch the not I and watch how their cunning tries to tell you you have done so wonderfully. You are really something special now. You understand better than anybody. You are probably the best student of self that's ever lived and you certainly are entitled to tell everyone else what they ought to do. And you certainly are entitled to give advice to anyone you meet that's studying because they're missing the boat and they don't see it quite as well. These are the ones where if we don't watch them, because they learn to tell us what I likes to hear. They like to tell what I likes to hear. You're wonderful. You know, I still is tempted to go back and gain attention and approval and a sense of importance every now and then. And being in this, we may be out in the desert of Sinai for quite some time. 
But we will continue to remark about the various methods of the not-eyes in trying to be the enemies of the traveler on the way to the promised land. The promised land is a place where there is still challenges. There were still all sorts of challenges. Some of you may choose to read this story called the Exodus. Let's don't take it as a history. Let's take it as eyes autobiography. And see that it is an autobiography of this person told in a very beautiful symbolic story. And then whether it's history or not doesn't really matter to me or to thee. But whether it's a history of the travels from being totally involved, a slave to the not eyes, to getting out of it, and the possibilities of even fizzling after they got to the place might be a most interesting story to read if one considers it as this is the autobiography of I.